Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 114. My name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin Loop. Austin, how you doing? I am excellent, good sir, as always. How are you? Oh, man. Just enjoying some cooler weather. Oh, yeah. Uh, yesterday, for the first time, though, this is the time of year I get sick. Time of year I, I can't <laughs> Yeah, yep. time of the year I sneeze. Yesterday, sneezing fit. Just went... In a, I had to get an allergy pill. Took one for the first time. I'm like, all right, I need to start buying these. Like these are these are good. I could breathe the rest of the day. Good to so, keep on the shelf. Gonna have to go uh, get more than a two pack uh, after no. today. So oh, no. yeah. So but no, we're I'm enjoying this cooler weather. It, it feels like football weather. I'm enjoying that. Got a night game this week, so it'll be nice and cool. Get to wear a hoodie. It's gonna be wonderful. So, I like it. Yeah, I like it. So we hope you guys uh, have enjoyed the last couple of episodes with uh, Pastor Joseph Spurgeon. If you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to him. We did one on uh, his trip to Israel and just kind of talked about what was going on there. And of course, it's very relevant because when we recorded that, right, nothing was really going on. And now as, as we're recording this, I mean, the, the war out there is, is awful. We called it. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. You heard it first here. Um. <laughs> Just devastating images coming out of that. And so we do pray for the people of Israel, honestly, and the people of Palestine, too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's people in Palestine that don't agree with the attacks. So, yeah. it, you know, we just that, that whole situation is is seemingly a nightmare yeah. out there. So um, but then uh, the next episode, last week's episode that we put out, we discussed Reformed theology, part of our series that we're doing uh, to, to discuss Reformed theology, discuss the Armenian side of it. And then hopefully bring in the two sides together to have just a normal conversation about it, uh, to bring forward biblical uh, principles and biblical arguments and biblical cases for their opinions and their views, and then still go have a cup of coffee or a glass of beer afterwards, you know. Or during. Or during, yeah, yeah and, and still be friends after the conversation, even though we may not necessarily agree. Right. So that is... Um, kind of our goal, but today we're going to get back into John. We've taken a couple weeks off of the book of John. We're going to dive in. We're going to start at verse 18, which is where we left off in John chapter 1, and then uh, next week we will have Doc... Uh, is he a doctor? I don't think he's a doctor. Is he Dr. Gary Allman or Gary Allman? I think it's doctor. I think it's Dr. Gary Allman. We're going to have Dr. Gary Allman on. We'll, we'll find out. We'll figure it out. Uh, on next week's episode to talk about the Armenian side of this debate. And so we're looking forward to having him here. He's going to actually be in person, which is kind of cool. We usually yeah. do Zoom or Skype interviews, but we're going to do one in person. And so we're going to hang out and talk to him for a little while next week and really get and enjoy that conversation and oh, yeah. have him bring some principles, uh, biblical principles. Funny story. I had no idea Dr. Allman was was connected to the people to people I knew until he showed up at my church one week yeah. uh, for a, a class we were taking. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I had him in seminary at Boyce College in Louisville. I had him as a professor for a number of semesters before I dropped out and didn't finish. <laughs> Different conversation. Um, but yeah, we, we had uh, I had him as a professor, and I was like, it was really cool to reconnect with him and, and get to talk to him. So I'm excited to have him here and actually get to really discuss some of that, because he's been on the front lines of this debate for years when oh, he was at Southern. Like, yeah. he was on the front lines, and... and um, Th- those on the uh, reform side can get a little intense. Um, yeah, I can to a fault. <laughs> so, and he's experienced some of that. So, I'll be interested to see kind of how that has affected his viewpoints and and where he goes biblically with it. So, anyway, we'll get to that next week. This week, 
John chapter 1, verse 18. We'll start there. Um, we'll just start there, maybe read the rest of the chapter. If you haven't listened to the rest of the series on John, I'd say pause this episode, go back, start with John 1, 1, and we'll get into that. Last time we spent the entire episode on verse 17, which was a really cool verse and really mm-hmm. cool discussion, so go back and check that out as well. So let's start. Austin, start reading wherever you want and stop reading wherever you want, and we'll we'll, we'll dive in. Two weeks later, we're at Revelation. <clears throat> Verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and did not deny but confessed. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet, or the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, They had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after he comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water, he said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Amen. So let's jump back into verse 18, and I really think it's important. I want to read... Verses fourteen through eighteen, because as a whole, and we'll we'll specifically look at at verse eighteen, because it looks to me to me this little chunk, these four verses, five verses here, talk about the deity of God and really focus on mm. that. And so it says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth." John bore witness about Him and cried out, "This is He of whom I said." He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from him, his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So that's the verse we want to focus on and really start with is is verse 18. No one has ever seen God. Mm. What? does that mean <laughs> that's great i mean on it obviously for me i go back to moses and i go back to elijah 
Okay, so Moses asks to see God, and God basically says, well, no, if you see me, you, you'll just... And so he says, instead, <clears throat> stand here at this mountain. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to pass by you. And when he comes down, he he's glowing, because literally the Shekinah glory was upon him and passed over him. Uh, later, Elijah did the same thing. He, he has to see God, and his presence passed over him. But what we do see with Moses is that I believe it says Moses saw the back of God. Well, it, it, let's just read it real quick. It's it's found in Exodus 33. And I'm going to just start in verse uh, 18 here. It says, Moses said, please show me your glory. And he, being God, said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and you will proclaim before and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord or Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I'm show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Mm. Just an amazing picture oh, yeah. of how powerful God's glory really is. And it should be awe-inspiring. It should be awe-inducing, reverence-inducing. Like, we should see, read this. And, and again, we, we, we have a tendency to ignore the Old Testament. But we should see that story in Exodus and be like, man, he, he is powerful. No man can see my face, for they will surely die. You can only see my back. And, he, and like Austin alluded to, when he came down off the mountain, he was glowing. He, it, even just seeing the back of God, he was glowing because of that glory and the radiance yeah. that God produces. <clears throat> well, and then you have Elijah. So 1 Kings chapter 19, we'll start verse 9. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, al I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blow. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord. So on and so forth. But literally it says the Yahweh Lord capitalized L-O-R-D, Yahweh passed and is passing by. Now, what's interesting is what mountain was Moses standing on? It was, uh, I forgot what it was called. Mount, Mount Sinai, wasn't it? Mount Sinai, yeah. yeah. Well, Mount Horeb is a different name for the same mountain. So literally, Moses and Elijah were standing on the same mountain. 
So what I'm hearing from that is we all need to go to Mount Sinai, <laughs> stand there, right, see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> it would be cool. I would love. It to. It would be cool. Oh, no, man. yeah, for sure. Anyway, but okay, but yeah, we see these two instances where God is passing before someone. We see where Moses sees the back of God. Elijah covers his face because he knows God is passing by, and he knows Scripture. And he knows if he sees God, he'll die. Um, but what does it mean where it says no one has seen God? No one has ever seen God. Well, Moses saw the back of God, so technically he saw God. Well, that's not exactly what he's talking about here. He's not talking about seeing the back of God. He's talking about the express image of God because they haven't seen Jesus yet. It's coming, but they haven't seen Jesus yet. So that's what I take from this. Um, now this gets into a very interesting theory. You ready for this theory? Oh boy. It's mind-blowing. <clears throat> I, I, just, I just learned it. Okay, so Moses, which I was actually, this is what I was going to share with you okay. beforehand, but it just played in perfect. Okay, so Moses, Mount Sinai, you have Elijah, Mount Horeb, the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? Who showed up with Jesus there? Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah. Okay, so this plays into my my theory, which I, I can't say, yes, this is biblical. I can just, I'm just reading through scripture, I'm like, this makes sense. My view of God, of being, okay, you, you draw a line on a piece of paper, you, you put two end lines, and that's time. Beginning, the end. And then when you stand up and you're looking at the piece of paper, you're kind of in that place of where God is. In the sense of, he is, he is acting with Adam and Eve at the exact same time that he is acting with us. So that, that mentality of God is so awesome and powerful that he is not going step by step through time with us, but he's doing all of it at the exact same time. So now we go from Moses to Elijah to Jesus, and it's almost like a time warp. When the presence of God is passing over Moses and Elijah, it's like they are transported to Jesus at that moment. And what happens? The glow. You know, Moses has that Shekinah glory. Why? Because they are in the presence of the express image of God. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting theory, kind of, kind of, kind of cool. But uh, I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it said, you know, that that God has that helicopter view of time, right? And He's not bound by time. Right. He 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 steps in and intervenes as He wishes because He He sees it all, knows it all, has it all planned out. Exactly. It's, you know, it it's gonna go how it's gonna go. Yeah. And yeah, that that is a theory that is making my head hurt this early in the morning. <laughs> Then I'm I'm for it. I'm, I'm for at least exploring that. Yeah, idea it's a, and, it's and a good one to explore. It. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So no one has ever seen God. I, I, I want to say too. I, I think. Well, the, the next part of this sentence is very important here. Who is at the Father's side? He, he has made him known. Yeah. Who is at the Father's side? Well, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. We we see that all throughout Scripture. He has made God known. He's made God's character known. His his his, you know how he works, who he is, what he stands for, his 
you know, his love, his grace, his mercy, his wrath, his anger, his jealousy. Like, Jesus has made God known. Mm-hmm. And so while we have never physically seen, no, no human alive has ever physically seen God, God the Father, Yahweh, we've seen, we've seen God through Jesus. Right. God has been made known visibly through Christ. Now, of course, we have not seen him. Right. You know, we see the renderings of him. Right. Uh, some of them blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus, <laughs> which seem inaccurate to me. Uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting, though. Okay. John is, is saying this, granted. Okay. He's writing later. After Jesus. Av- yeah. Right. But the way he's writing is at this point, no one has seen Jesus, but yet. He is saying Jesus has made God the Father known, right? Who is at the Father's side or at the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. Okay, this could be taken both ways. Christ is making the Father known, but also the Father is making Christ known. Literally, when you go back through Scripture and you start seeing Jesus, basically on every line of Scripture... That's what John is talking about. Again, he is referring to Christ as the Word of God. So going back to Genesis, what we went through the first few episodes, God is making his Son known to the world before his Son became flesh. And likewise, Christ is making God the Father known throughout all of history in everything. Why? Well, going back to the the first few verses, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So literally everything made was by Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, for the glory of God the Father, for it. We can just go back into that, but we won't. But yeah, it's they are making each other known throughout all of history, and that is before Jesus came on the scene physically. It's always interesting. I have a I have a Bible sitting on my one of my end tables, the Story of Redemption Bible, and and it's a Bible that, throughout its pages, you see Jesus, and it points out areas where this is a precursor to Jesus, especially mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, and it is. It's a story of redemption from start to finish that culminates in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and it's all leading up to it. It's all pointing to it. The entirety of the Old Testament is pointing to it. And you see it just throughout, you know, through the genealogy. You see it through different redemptive stories. You have the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where there's another one in the fire mm. that appeared like the Son of Man. Yeah. Right? Who Who is that? Right. Who is that? That's, I mean, common, not common knowledge, but common uh, uh, interpretation of that is it was Christ. Right. Physically Christ. Yep. His, his, him physically in there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And then when they come to get him out, there was only three. Yep. And he's he's back. Yep. You know, he's like, all right, I'm going to come in. I'm going to help this, these guys out. I'll be back in a few hundred years. Yep. <laughs> you know, or f- maybe a few thousand years. Um, yeah. Yeah, it would be thousand at that point. Yeah. So. Well, and then Joshua. Joshua, the leader of the army of the hosts of heaven, show up. But it doesn't say it's Michael or Gabriel. And he says, who are you? my Lord. And it says, I am the leader of the host of the army of God. And the, the, the notion is it's Jesus. Why you go back to revelation or you go ahead to revelation 
and Jesus is leading the host with a white horse and a sword. So Christ there. But then we also go to do the uh, Melchizedek. Yeah, the Melchizedek. Melchizedek, the king of Salem. If, if man, if you want to boggle your mind, study <laughs> that. Study that for a little bit. Christ. That was that was Jesus. Like he was there. Yeah. I, I firmly believe it. <laughs> so it brings to mind the idea for me of like what it's gonna be like when we do finally see him. Mm. And and it this it sounds cliche, but it's not. It but that song, Mercy Me, I can only imagine probably one of the most probably the biggest Christian song ever written, honestly. Like uh, contemporary. Contemporary the within the past thirty years. Yeah, hundred percent. And and because it is just a song that is asking, what am I going to do when I see his face? Like, how am I going to react? Yeah. We, we don't know. We don't have any idea. You know, I imagine falling on my face. I don't know. Like, yeah. it just, but that idea of, man, when we finally get to see him in his glory, when we finally get to see Christ and, and see the scars and, 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 and see the, you know, the, the, you know, where the sword pierced him in his side, just, an unbelievable idea. And, and that, that verse, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. We'll finally get to see him. Yeah. We'll finally get to to live out this verse of like, oh, no, we get to see him. Now. Now it's time. See him. Yeah. And, and this brings up a question I have, and this might be way too in the weeds. Um, after, once we die, you know, we're to be absent, from the body is to be present with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So have those, have the saints who have gone on before us, they've seen God, right? Uh, yeah. This weeds, weeds. Maybe we should do that. Okay. Most people do like after hour shows, right? So like Patreon, we need to do an in the weeds in, where in only our thing. Patreon can, yeah. can listen I'll, to those. Uh, yeah. That'd be, that'd be cool. Uh because I I have I I have a thought for that. Yeah. Should we should we share it now or should we do a Patreon episode? Let's do a Patreon episode. In the weeds if In you weeds. want to know this issue about what happens when we die, where are the saints right now? Got to go behind the paywall. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that soon. It's a good plan. Cuz I, I cuz that's another area. There's two or three areas that I just haven't really you know, spend a ton of time studying, and that that is one of them. You know, I talk about you know, esch- or uh, yeah, eschatology being one, the end times. I haven't done a ton of study on that, and I haven't done a ton of study beyond when we die, we're with him, right? Like, what does that actually look like? Because there's right. so many theories out there and, and different ideas about hell and heaven and purgatory. You know, I've I've had a discussion a couple weeks ago with Atticus, who you've heard on this show before about annihilism and, and this idea that, you know, hell was made for Satan and his, and his angels and his cohorts and not necessarily for humans. And that eventually at the end of the age, and I, I'm not saying he believes this, he, there's just an idea that he has been hearing some. So right. he, he's not even <clears throat> affirming this and neither am I, cause I don't really know. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to side with no. I think it's heretical. Yeah. And I, I, I lean that way as well, but yeah. this idea that, okay, there's going to be a time of punishment for those who, you know, are, are don't end up believers and, and reject Christ and reject his work. 
but then eventually they're going to be annihilated and they're just going to cease to exist and they're not going to spend eternity burning in hell. Uh, so I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. So again, those type of things that I just haven't s- studied super in depth, it'd be really cool to get into that on one of those in the yeah. weeds. So. Okay. Let's do it. I have it. it written. All right. So let it be written. So, so let it be written. So let it be done. <laughs> anyway. All right. Anyway, verse uh, 19. And, and ni- it's going to be tough because we're not going to have a, enough time to get through all of these verses for, for 19 through 28. But because they're, they're kind of a section in and of themselves. But we'll start in verse 19 here. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Very important to, that he does this, of mm. course, right? Yeah. Because we see today people who, and I wish I had the drop, people who claim to be God and claim to be Christ. Now, I, I do think Stephen Furtick's was a little less aggressive than that, claiming right. to be God, of course. Right. But I just like the drop. I am God Almighty. Great, <laughs> great soundbite. I'm going to work on that this week. Uh, Let's do get it. That Let's in there do so it. Hit the button. Anyway, the... But we we've seen I mean we've seen people like your cult leaders right your yeah. Jim Joneses your your um, oh who was the guy at in um, oh there was a, well there's Karish David Karish from Waco yeah I think so yeah so th- these cult leaders who gain a pretty decent following yeah who claim to be Christ who claim to be a a, a second coming of Christ or a yeah. third coming of Christ or whatever number they want to throw out there that they're a Christ figure yeah. And John the Baptist, if you just look on the very surface level, you would say, oh, he's probably one of those wackos, yeah. right, that that believe that he's the Christ oh, and yeah. he's the Messiah. But he unequivocally is like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Like, I'm not. Yeah. Okay, are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Yeah. Are you the the prophet? No, I'm not the prophet. I am just one man crying out in the wilderness saying, prepare, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Yeah. I'm the one that comes before him. Yeah. Pretty profound, if you oh, think yeah. about it. Well, and also bringing up the, I don't know, not getting in the weeds at all, but it the bringing up the word confession, okay? I, I think a lot of times people misunderstand what the word confession means. Well, when the Catholics use it, you need to go to confession. Well, the, the thought is, oh, I'm going to spill my sins and get... Uh, um, uh, forgiven for my sins. Well, c- nowhere here is John confessing a sin. Nowhere here is John saying what he's doing wrong. All he is doing is he is making a truthful statement. So, yeah, they say, uh, are you the Christ? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. He is stating a truthful statement. So it goes into confession. Just brief, briefly. So, confession, repentance, forgiveness. Asking forgiveness. When you confess something, it doesn't mean you're you're stating something you did wrong. I mean, sometimes it does in some context. Right. Yeah. But like when um, it even says uh, Jesus. Jesus confessed to Pilate that he is the king. He is king. It, he Jesus wasn't confessing something that he did wrong. He just confessed a true statement. So, confession being... I am this, or I have done this, or I am doing this. So going to the sin aspect of saying, when you are going to someone confessing, I, okay, I'm in kid mode, so 
you have a kid, you say, you need to go confess what you did. You can't just go say sorry. Or even, oh, just forgive me. No, you have to go confess to them what you did. You say, hey, I hit you in the face with a bat. <laughs> that's that's the confession. I did this to you with this. Right. That's the confession part. Then is the repentance where and forgiveness. Forgiveness, you're asking forgiveness, please forgive me. Repentance is, I will not hit you with that bat anymore. And this is something I've I've kind of been thinking through the last few weeks uh, of of the idea of confession. Yeah. And and I even did a communion meditation at church this last week, and it was about confession. Oh yeah. And, and I came through. I uh, came from. I want to say was it First John, and then uh, in Proverbs where it says confess your sins to one another. That way, you know, you can hold each other up. And then in Proverbs talking about iron sharpening iron, so yeah. man, you know, so one man sharpens another. And it's this idea of, like, you're not asking your brother in Christ to forgive you of your sin unless you did something to them, right? But you're, you're, you're confessing, you say, okay, I did this this week. Yep. You know, you're saying, okay, I came up short, I, I sinned, I, I fell flat on my face by, because I did this. And it's not a, again, you're not asking him, uh, you know, whoever, you know, you're not asking Joe Blow, your, your, your buddy, to forgive, forgive you, you for that right. because you didn't necessarily sin against them. Right. You're holding yourself accountable. You're having them hold you accountable by saying, I did this. Like, this happened. Right. This happened this week. I said this to this person. I did this to that. I did whatever. And they're there to hold you accountable. And then your repentance comes in when you're talking to God and you're saying, God, I, again, you're confessing to him. He already knows, first of all. But like, second of all, it's like, I, I repent. I am sorry. Help me turn away from this. Help me to. You know, we talked a little bit in church this week about temptation and how there's always a way out. God provides you a way out when you're tempted. Mm. It's usually through him. <laughs> right. It's always through him. Like, you're, you need to... But confess, confessing your sins to another person also helps you with that. Yeah. Because you're... you're I mean, you think about... And these are kind of cheesy, but you think about, like, covenant eyes that you put on your on your uh, computer if mm. you're struggling with porn addiction. You don't want your... account. I don't want Austin seeing that I'm going to look at porn. <laughs> Yep. And so I I would get a notification, wouldn't I? You would he would get a yep. notification or he gets a weekly rundown or whatever however it works. It's been a long time since I've explored that that world, but Yeah. Yeah, he gets a rundown or a notification that says, "Hey, Brad just went to this website." Yeah. And like that isn't necessarily me thinking, "Okay, God's looking at me," but it it does help you with that temptation. Yeah. You're like, "I don't want to I don't want to tell I don't want this. to I don't want I don't, people <laughs> knowing I'm sinning." Yeah, yeah. I don't and so what confession helps. Speaking truth in that regard helps. Yeah. It does. I mean, again, I don't want to go to my my buddy and say, "Oh, by the way, I looked at porn 17 times this week." Yeah. Right? Cuz he's going to ask. Yep. <laughs> you know, and and it's that that does help. It does help, and and being able to say true things to people, yeah, is a very good thing and a very yes. therapeutic thing. And iron sharpening iron thing—that's a different version of confession than what John's doing here, of course. <laughs> right. I, that's why I said not to get into the weeds, but, but I got it, into the okay. weeds. It's, it's fine because it's been on my mind this last few. It's weeks. good. Yeah, just it's a good this reminder idea of being able to lay it all out there and be honest. Yeah. So confession, especially here, what John's doing is he is saying a true statement. A, a true, very true statement, and that is, he's not Jesus. He is not the Christ. He is not the Messiah. He is not the uh, Amashiach in, in Hebrew. I am not the Mashiach, Amashiach. Um, he, he confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? 
And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. So right off the bat, he's saying, no, I'm not the Christ. No, I'm not Elijah, which that goes back to Old Testament when it says, basically, Elijah will return. Elijah will return. Now, this is interesting because John is is sometimes referred to as having the, the spirit of Elijah. But John himself is saying, no, I, I no, no, that's not me. I'm not Elijah. Um, but what we do see is God used Elijah and God used John the same way to bring God's people back to him. So again, he's confessing the true statement of, no, I'm not Elijah. No, I'm not even a prophet. There are no more prophets. Why? Because the king is coming. So we have this herald, John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, who is going forth, like Brad said, yelling in the wilderness, make straight the way. I mean, you see that in the Old Testament too, right? And and just throughout just history, if you if you outside of the Bible, you look at history, there was a front a forerunner, a front runner, a for anyway, there was someone that would always go ahead of the king's procession, proclaiming to the people in the streets that the king is on his way be prepared be prepared the king is coming you know gird your loins and and you know clean your houses and do whatever <laughs> you got to do because the king's on his way and you don't want to you know make him mad or, or you know in those scenarios you don't want to make him mad and he'll behead you or something i don't know but like there's always someone going before the king saying the king is on his way right uh, just all throughout history that is what john is doing here he's saying the king's coming like right. he's right there he's right behind me He's on the horizon. He is on his way. Let's repent. Let's be ready for this. Let's get our houses in order. Right. Well, okay, so Matthew 11, starting verse 13. This is Jesus speaking. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. So Jesus himself says, John himself is Elijah who is to come. Okay, does that mean that John is the reincarnation of Elijah? Which, no. by the way, is what they were asking him. <clears throat> exactly. They, they weren't asking him if you are like Elijah. They are, are you him? Are you literally him? Yes. That's what they're saying. Yeah. And John confessed, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Elijah from the old. I'm just John. I'm John. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but Jesus himself says he is, he is Elijah. So is that saying that he actually was, which means John the Baptist? Tizer was a liar? Well, no, that's not what Jesus was saying. When he says John was Elijah, he is speaking in the sense of he is doing what Elijah did. The, The spirit of Elijah is not saying that the spirit of Elijah came and rest upon John the baptizer to do the things that Elijah did. No, it's just saying he had the exact same job and he was doing what Elijah did and he is now doing. So, he's not Elijah, he's not a prophet, and he's not the Christ. Verse 22, So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So then he quotes scripture to him. He quotes Isaiah. And because they ask him, who are you? And he, he not, doesn't go toting who he is, what his name is, what his lineage is. He, he doesn't say, I am the son of Zechariah, the, 
the priest, um, or, or even I am the cousin of the Messiah. Right. No, he, he just says, I am the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. He's, he's the one announcing the king's, the king's coming, the king's arrival. And, and he's doing so in a manner that lines up with prophecy, in a manner that does exactly what Isaiah said he was going to do. Yeah. Just, uh, again, to, to, to start thinking through, and, 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 and this would be a really cool exercise to, to really dive into, just the number of prophecies the Old Testament makes about Jesus mm. and about his coming and just seeing ways in which he fulfilled them. Like you yeah. go through and you look at the prophecies and you match up in the New Testament where Jesus did it. Yeah. Just a cool exercise to do. I highly encourage, I, I did it, I mean, it's been years ago, but I've done it before and it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. And so it'd be something I highly recommend you all doing. Yeah. Going in and just doing some research and spending some time just digging into the prophecies of the Old Testament and how Christ fulfilled those. There's yeah. a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. And he does them. He fulfills them all. <clears throat> Was it like, 300. 300 something. Yeah, that number sticks in my head. It's 300 and something prophecies that, that are in the Old Testament specifically about Jesus. Fulfilled by Jesus. And yeah. that were fulfilled by him. And that he 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 did. He he did them all. Yeah. <laughs> to to the T. And and John here does it right here. He fulfills that prophecy of Isaiah. Yeah. It says there's gonna be one in the wilderness. That's him. That is him. So yeah, John the Baptizer is fulfilling scripture. So then it states, verse 24, who sent them? Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. And, and they, these are the Jews and the son, or sorry, these are the priests and Levites that yes. were sent, that we see in verse 19. Yeah. Yeah. Priests and Levites that are talking to John. And they ask him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? So th- this is interesting. Um, baptizing brings up the whole baptism conversation. This is not a foreign concept. Baptizing was is not a thing that you know is a a New Testament thing that was just brought up and John the baptizer started doing it and everyone's like what are you doing? Yeah, sure. That looks cool. Let's do it. No. The Jews knew what baptism was. They knew what it meant. That they, they asked him if you're baptizing and you're not the Christ, then what what are you doing? Um, if you're neither Elijah nor the prophet. And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across Jordan. So John's baptizing, and this is not a new concept to the Jews. They know, they go back through the Old Testament, they go back through the Torah, they they see... um, the, the Jews going through the Red Sea, and Paul himself points that out as a baptism. Um, the the baptism of sprinkling when Moses is sprinkling blood upon all the Jews. He is baptizing them with blood. So the, this is not a new concept. They, they knew what it meant. They knew what it was for. And so John explains it a little bit. He's like, I, I am baptizing with water. The, this... And, Without diving too far into it, he 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 says this is this is I'm not saving people here. I'm not I'm not doing anything crazy. Um, I am baptizing with water, but the one who comes after me, that is what you need to look for. Because later, then we see Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit, 
But right here, John baptizes with water. And eventually we're going to get to a discussion on baptism and, and what it looks like. I, I've seen some interesting uh, things with, with some people that I follow that are now um, affirming infant baptism. And that's a different conversation for a different day. But That's I'm, a good good conversation. Good conversation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we do see... It, correct me if I'm wrong, though. I do think this is the first time, at least in explicitly we see baptism in, in scripture uh, like explicit baptism as an individual right yes yeah the this is I, one of the first times that we see individual people coming and being baptized individually one at a time right yeah and and it is it is you know it's a symbol and we we see it all throughout the new testament i mean it really ramps up of course at, at this point especially right. after jesus's ascension this idea of, of just symbolically saying, I am being buried with Christ and raised again in new life. Right. And it's, <clears throat> it, it's just an incredible thing to, to witness. And, and we, you know, it's always a, a, it's always fun for me when I go, when I see, I go and walk into church and I see the baptism, baptistry is full. Cause I'm like, all right, this is cool. Like, this is going to be a cool moment. Oh yeah. Because it, it just, it's a signal that says, Hey, I'm, I'm devoting my life to Christ from this point forward. Yeah. And, and, Following in John's footsteps, following in Jesus' footsteps, Jesus was baptized. We'll get to that in the next section. Yep. Uh, probably on, on the next time we go through John. You know, we won't finish it today or get to it today, but Jesus was baptized. Yeah. And who are we supposed to be like? Jesus. What are we like supposed to do? Jesus. Get baptized. Yep. <laughs> right? Like, pretty simple. It's part of the Great Commission. Two plus two equals four. Like, All it's right. not a hard, complicated math problem here. You know, we're not adding in variables. But... <laughs> It's a very cool thing, and, and, and this is the first time, like Austin said, we see individuals getting baptized and, and repenting of their sin, and, and you know, symbolically, this is even before Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, but yeah. symbolically being put to death with Christ and being raised up in newness of life, just yeah. a really cool thing. Um, so if you have not been baptized, by the way, if you're a believer and you have not been baptized, reach out to us, reach out to your pastor, talk through it, because it yeah. is something you need to do. It's an act of obedience. I mean, it doesn't, yes. doesn't save you. There's nothing magical about it, but... It is an act of obedience, and if you are actively saying, I'm not going to do it, that's active sin. That's active disobedience. And then I'd question, and then we, where are you? Yeah, question yeah. the fruit and all that jazz. So, But go do it. I mean, if maybe it's something you've never really thought about. Maybe it's not a, an act of like willful disobedience. Maybe it's just something your pastor doesn't talk about. Maybe it's something right. that your church doesn't emphasize, which that's, that's an issue. But, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, though, if you haven't been baptized and you're listening— Get baptized. I mean, you don't have to necessarily do it in a church baptistry in front of a thousand people, although it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing. Right? Yeah. But I mean There are witnesses. Get baptized. Have your witnesses there. Have people there to say, Hey, I'm I'm serving Christ. Yeah. So that's my little soapbox of baptism. I like it. A little mini soapbox. <laughs> I, could, I could go on. I can go on. That's an it's an immense topic. Um, I really like I'm just gonna point this one thing out and then we'll we'll wrap it up for today. But I really like in John's quote, starting in verse 26, where he says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, obviously saying that Jesus has been here. I mean, he started his ministry at what, 31, 33? We started at 30. Started at 30, and it ended around th somewhere in the third, around 33. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's been around for 29 years at this point, 30 years at this point. Like, yeah. he's been among you. You know him as far as, like, you know who he is. You recognize him on the street. Right. But you do not know him. Yeah. You know, you you don't know who he is. 
And even he who comes after me, again, talking about Jesus, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Mm. And if you know anything about the Jewish culture, one of the first things people do when, you know, when they come into a house is they wash their feet. And a lot of times it's a servant who washes the feet, right? It's a that's a very low position. It's a yes. very dishonorable thing to do to wash someone's feet, especially in those days. And I'd say in these days too, because feet gross me out. Different conversation, but <laughs> but the yeah. idea though is 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 this is a very humble thing to do is wash someone's feet. I mean, we yeah. see that when Jesus does it. Yeah, it's like why are you doing this? This is not for you. You're, you're no. Why are you doing this? I'd have the exact same expression as Peter. Yeah. Wait, no, I should no, I should be doing this to you. But John goes even further and says, I'm not even worthy to untie a sandal. Yeah. Which again, the feet are the dirty part the dirtiest part of their body at that point, right? Yeah. I'm not even worthy to untie a sandal. Just that humility and again showing a little bit of that glory of God and that yeah. that awe and reverence that we need to have with him as well. Of course it's a relationship. Of course he he's our friend and and we're a friend of God. We're a child of God, of, of course. But also we need to keep in the back of our minds that there isn't an awe and a reverence there that we need to never forget because we're not even worthy to untie his sandal. Yeah. I, I just, I love that phrase. That just that simple little whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. Yeah. Incredible. I love it. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Just a little geography lesson there. <laughs> look in your maps and your Bibles or Bethany. look on the internet and look at the, look at where this was. Um, I think that's a good place to stop mm-hmm. uh, to, for today's episode, uh, finishing up verse 28. Um, we'll jump into verse 29 after we get after we have our conversations with Gary and, and, and uh, Joseph Spurgeon again. and we'll, So we'll take a little break from John again and, and get back into our little mini-series on Reformed and Armenian theologies and, yeah. and our discussions there. I, like I said, if you haven't gone and listened to the ones with, with Pastor Spurgeon, I highly recommend you do so. The, the second episode, the one we put out last week, it, it is a very brief overview. I mean, it's not in-depth. It's not super high-minded as far as, like, you're going to be able to understand this, right? Yeah. Anyone that listens, I believe, can understand exactly what we're talking about in that episode. Yes. Because we didn't go super, you know, big theology words and right. trying right. to show off our intelligence. Like, that wasn't a thing, right? I mean, it, it's... A, a very brief introduction to what the Reformed theology is. We actually went through TULIP, yep. uh, a, a man-made uh, acronym about Calvinistic theology. So yep. we went through that, and we just explained it. Or we didn't explain it. Pastor Spurgeon yeah. explained it, yeah. each, what each letter means and, and kind of what that shows us. And, and so we're going to do kind of the opposite with, with Dr. Almond this week, and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm excited to I'm excited. have these conversations. So do us a favor, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, social media. It'd be great. Patreon.com slash rooted in logos, rooted in logos pod.com. That's it. That's it. We'll see you guys next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. In the meantime, stay, stay rooted, rooted y'all.